0: Love Talk Radio.
1: From Lives in the Balance, the nonprofit organization committed to advocating on behalf of behaviorally challenging kids and their caregivers, this is Dr. Ross Green. Welcome to Collaborative Problem Solving at Home. I'm delighted that you were able to join in. This program airs live each Tuesday at 12 noon Eastern time during the school year. We explore a variety of topics aimed at helping you better understand and help your challenging child and implement the collaborative problem solving approach at home. If you have a question or comment, call 347-994-2981. If you call in, you'll be muted until I bring you on the air. And now, let's talk about your challenging child and what we can do to help you Make things better. Hello there. Welcome to today's program. Uh, I'm sorry to announce that this is the last parents panel of this, what shall we call it, this broadcasting season, this radio program season, because we take June, July, and August off, not that... Challenging, kids aren't challenging over the summer, just that everybody's schedules are in such flux over the summer around here and with our parents' panel members that we um, take the summers off. We take a break from the program and the parents' panel for three months. So while I am delighted that we are convening the parents' panel yet again today, I am sorry that this is our last parents' panel program for a few months. We have two of our parents panel members with us so far. We'll see if Sharon is going to remember, but um we have Susie. How are you, Susie?
2: Good morning. Hi Peter. I'm fine, oh. thank you. How are you? Good.
1: Peter's not live yet. Well, he's, he's alive, but now I've just made him live. That's, that's radio talk, of course. <laughs> um, but I've, I've unmuted him, which um, in radio talk means he is now live, and um, we hope for a very long time. Peter, uh, Susie asked you how you are.
3: I'm very well, thank you. And how are you, Dr. Green?
1: I am well. And um, we may actually already have a caller on our program and I'm going to ask our caller from area code 973 to hang in there um, while we do what we usually do on the parents' panel and ask both of you if you have anything that you want to make sure we talk about today. Susie?
2: Um, Actually, I I have a little something. I just wanted to say that I spend a lot of time thinking about collaborative problem-solving, And I think the more you work at getting good at the model, spending time and practicing it, the better you become and the more valuable you are for your child and family. CPS is a process, but it is also a skill and language. You want to become fluent in it. Practice with your kids. Schedule in the time. Remember, 15 minutes per day can get some unsolved problems worked out together. Math is not my strength, but I think that translates out to about 23 hours of Plan B over the summer months. Even though there is no school, in some ways it's better not to have the pressure and immediacy. Take advantage of this time. Revisit the Lives in the Balance website. You already take the Tuesdays at 11 a.m. time or a recorded version. Try to watch a broadcast of one of Dr. Green's talks via the web. There are two opportunities to do this in mid-May. I understand firsthand that parents and caregivers of challenging children don't get a break in the summer. I always dreaded this time off. My idea of a successful summer was when we made it through without the police being called. While we don't have the program live, it's even more important to get the help and support you need through CPS and all the information that's offered through the Lives in the Balance website.
1: I love those thoughts. Susie, what this says to me is that you need a blog on the Lives in the Balance website.
3: (laughs) That's a great idea.
1: Don't you think, Peter? That's a great idea. She needs a blog. Well, thank you. That wasn't a yes. That was a thank you.
2: That was sure. Sure? (laughs)
1: Sure. Love you need to. a blog, and I'm about to divide um, the Lives in the Balance part of it into a parent and um, teacher section. Um, in the Connect section, that's about to have a parent and a teacher section, and I I think the time has come for Susie to have a blog because um, I know you have many more other thoughts to share with us about collaborative problem solving than that. Mm-hmm. Should we be doing this program over the summer? I I haven't heard strong feelings in one direction or another, but you're absolutely right. Parents don't, unless you ship your kids off to camp, parents don't get a break over the summer. I will say this, while more togetherness over the summer is sometimes not a wonderful thing, the fact that one of the biggest unsolved problems, I I sometimes call it the mother of all unsolved problems, (laughs) School mm-hmm. and homework is out of the mix during the summer in many families I find actually makes things go better um, but anyways if if your summers were filled with hopes that the police wouldn't be called, and that was a successful summer, then it sounds to me like um school was not the only stressor that's exactly right um, peter how are how are summers? in your family, easier or harder? I know that school is frequently an area that you bring up as a concern with your kids. Um, how are summers in your household?
3: Summers can be more exhausting for my wife and I, and that fatigue can sometimes lead to us being using more Plan A. But if we're careful and we plan um, some carefully constructed uh outside activities. It it works really quite well because we don't have the the uh homework stress and the school stress. Although this year school has gone very well for my uh, older son and also my younger son to some extent. But uh it's I think I'm anticipating a, a good summer this year. Um some my, my son just turned ten this month and one of the things he asked to do is he wanted to go for a camp and it's a, it, he wanted to go to a particular camp. It's, it's three and a half weeks long, and it's a, it's a stretch for him. And he knows that that's going to be a challenge. So we're taking some time through the um, May and June to get him kind of psychologically ready for it. And one of the things that I've, I've done is I've started to um, have lunch with him about once a week or so, and we just uh, it gives us that collaboris- collaborative solving time that, that we need. So I just take remove him from school. There's no other outside influences, and when we have a chance to talk. So that's our special time together, and it seems to be working quite well.
1: Excellent. Peter, anything you wanted to make? Susie, anything you wanted to make sure we um, took from what you began with?
3: Uh,
2: No, I, I think that I pretty much said what I had to, just... Looking forward to the day when there's a CPS
1: family camp. Um, I'll, I'll get right on that. <laughs>
3: <laughs>
1: Good. Um, no, we've we've talked about it on this program before, mm-hmm. um, and I promise it's percolating. Um, I promise it's percolating. Great. Besides having a blog, do you want to be the director of a camp, Susie? Sure There you go Okay And (laughs) Peter Peter do you swim We're going to need a uh, We're going to need a Waterfront director as well
3: I don't swim But I um, I can help out In other ways I suppose Okay
1: Then you would not be a good Waterfront director (laughs) Peter anything that you wanted To make sure We talked about today
3: I I wanted to um, Ask you a little bit About uh, situations Where children have Trouble Making transitions Um, That's One of the difficulties that we're having with my younger son he seems to really uh, not be able to, to to make changes from one mindset to another so if he's reading a book he, he he will want to continue reading that book until really later if he's um working on his homework he, he won't want to stop on his homework and, so, and sometimes it's necessary to make those transitions and i'm just struggling with that a little bit
1: Well, you've named a specific transition, which is good. Now it's time to do Plan B, it sounds like. Um, You you said sometimes those transitions need to be made. Yes. Um, I'd want to be more specific about your concerns than that. Um, Okay. That sounds a bit like we know um, where the plane is landing before it takes off. Um, the transition will be made, and i that could that that mindset could make it a little bit hard to do plan b but um, the good news is difficulty making transitions is the lagging skill mm-hmm. difficulty making the specific transition you described is the unsolved problem now it 's time for proactive plan B on that unsolved problem i can 't say that I have generic advice. Okay transition making in general because um but I always have uh the standard advice for making specific transitions, and that's proactive plan b
3: okay we've worked on one specific one recently, and that is um going from the car to the classroom that particular transition so when when I drop my son off from school um he tends to be quite and he wants to, me to stay with him and I've done that and, and we agreed that today was the day that he would try to do more by himself so he was able to, to get himself he's only in grade 1 he was able to get himself um, his shoes changed and he organized his lunch ready to take in and then um, when we got to the door he didn't want to, me to go although I didn't help him at all which was which was uh, an improvement over what, what was before uh, that just that last step was a bit of a problem for him. Maybe we were not being very realistic to you know do do all of that in one step. But um, I, I just uh, I think we're making some progress. So I'm just trying to be very specific. I, I guess what I, I come to realize in talking to you that that's actually two probably two unsolved problems, and not one. I'm
1: well. It does sound like the thing I'm hearing most is that um, it sounds like a deadline was sort of set.
3: Yeah, I suppose.
1: And, and deadlines are all well and good, but deadlines tend not to go very well if the child isn't yet able to make the deadline. You know what I'm saying? Yes, I do. Um, otherwise, a deadline is just, okay, now is the day, and I don't know if this is the case. You'd know better than me. It said that you were making progress, so maybe it wasn't the case. Now is the day, that I'll, I'll be flip about it, but don't take it personally, now is the day on which we've decided that the transitions that you still don't have the skill to make will be made. That's what happens if we're only setting a deadline we're We're basically okay. saying we know we know you don't have the skill to do it yet, but today's the day, right? um I'd rather make sure the kid had the skills to do it, and then we may not even need the deadline. okay, know what I'm saying,
3: yeah. In, in many other of his transitions to go to extracurricular activities, what, I've, what we've done is we've rolled back the, the start time to half an hour earlier. And uh-huh. every time we do that, he has the, the time to get himself more settled, and he goes in very willingly. So it's uh-huh. a big, big improvement. This morning that, I didn't have that extra half hour, so that, that was part of it. But uh,
1: Got it. Yeah. So it's interesting, though, because a lot of times people want to know, a question that I frequently get is... So, yes, you've solved that one transition, but how have you made making transitions in general better? And you've actually just given us part of the answer, and that is that by solving some other transitions well, it's conceivable that future transitions that he's having trouble making, that you could draw on solutions from... Other transitions that you've successfully resolved to successfully resolve the one that you're working on right now, and then what, of course, you hope happens over time, and this is this is your son becoming better at making transitions in general. And it sounds like, don't let me put words in your mouth. It sounds like you would probably agree that his making of transitions is generally better than it was. Fair?
3: Yes. Yeah. That's very fair.
1: So yeah. and, um, and I do
3: see him making uh, specific steps to uh, prepare things ahead of time. He's he's beginning to anticipate great. over the twenty or thirty iterations in transitions after school. He's beginning to transfer some of those um, preparatory steps towards
1: school itself. And see, I think that's how um, people get better at skills in general is, number one, they get practice at, dealing, at solving these specific unsolved problems that are associated with a lagging skill. But number two, they also develop a repertoire of solutions that have worked previously. So let's say that I was hoping to get better at getting back to my family in Boston when a flight of mine has been canceled or is running late. I now have quite a repertoire of that because it happens so often, right? And, in fact, it, it came in, um, well, it wasn't exactly getting home to my family, but um, the other night I was flying from Syracuse to LaGuardia and found out very late in the game that my flight on one airline, was that the plane had mechanical troubles and wasn't likely to go anytime soon. Um The gate agent said to me, all right, so we can get you to LaGuardia from Syracuse through either Charlotte. And I'm thinking, that's an awful long way to go to get to LaGuardia from Syracuse or Philadelphia. And I'm thinking, I don't really like connecting in Philadelphia. It's a a hard airport to connect in. And so uh, my primary solution was to stand there with a very vacant look on my face Because, um, and then he told me that another airline had a nonstop going from Syracuse to LaGuardia in about uh, a half an hour. He said, but they've told us that they're not putting anybody else on the plane. So I still had this rather numb look on my face as I was contemplating going through Charlotte or Philly as the mechanism for getting to LaGuardia. And... Apparently appreciating the numb look on my face, he immediately picked up the phone, I assure you, this is pure strategy on my part, um, and called the gate agent for the other airline and said, can you take one more? He apparently took pity on me. That's what numb <laughs> looks sometimes do. And I've got the numb look mastered. doesn't always <laughs> work. Um, but I had this just vacant look on my face, like I'm, you know, I'm. do, do what you wish with me, Um sort of the airline traveler's uh, mantra, do what you want with me, I know I have no control over this whatsoever, and got on the plane, uh, the non-stop with the other airline, to LaGuardia. Now, here's the fascinating part of the story. The Mm. serious mechanical issue, actually that plane got in 20 minutes before the one I ended up on, so apparently it wasn't (laughs) so serious in the first place. But then another unsolved problem was presented to me when I got to LaGuardia, and that is that there were no cabs at LaGuardia, or at least very few. And the cab lines were, like, miles long, Hmm. and that problem was solved by getting into Manhattan uh, on a bus that was uh, happily sitting there telling people that they're going to be waiting hours for a cab, but do I have a repertoire now? Yeah, I have a repertoire for how to get from LaGuardia into Midtown Manhattan besides a cab, and I have a repertoire, an extremely large repertoire, for how to get from one city to another um, if my flight at least, if the claim is that my flight isn't going anytime soon. So, I think I'm pretty good at solving that problem at this point, but it's not because somebody taught me directly. It's through experience. I think the more transitions you solve with your son, the better he'll get at making transitions. And it sounds like that's happening already.
3: I think we're on our way.
1: Fabulous. Um, shall we take our caller?
2: Absolutely.
1: Here we go. Caller from area code 973, you're on with the parents panel. How are you today?
2: Hi, is that me?
1: That is you.
0: Excellent. Hello, I'm good. How are you doing?
1: We are doing well, it sounds like. I'm speaking for the parents panel collectively. (laughs) What's on your mind today?
0: Um, I'm calling because um, I have an amazing um, but definitely challenging 8-year-old son, and he had a very rough time in public school for K-2, and um, we ended up transferring him out to a new school, a private school, and they used collaborative problem solving, and we've seen huge improvements this year. He's much better able to handle situations now that don't go as he expected them to. He's handling transitions much better. Um, he's doing much better with emotional self-regulation. These are all real challenging issues for him, and you can see that he's really built up that some of those skills to handle those situations, which has been fantastic. Um, my question is that the area that we are still seeing um, some real challenging behavior right now is when he's in social situations with his peers in, instru- in an unstructured way. So this sort of goes back to the summer question that you were asking the parents panel before mm-hmm. because that's sort of our most challenging time. So play dates um, where he would go somewhere else or just be outside freely having fun or, you know, not sort of in an environment where someone is necessarily using collaborative problem-solving, he really, really struggles, and it's caused some significant issues. And my question really is, and I'm sorry, it's a long question, (laughs) is how do I use proactive plan B to help him sort of maintain self-control and handle these social situations better in a structured environment?
1: I think I'll take the first crack at that, but then we'll let the parents' panel pitch in as well. Um, I would say that the first thing you probably need to do is, believe it or not, get even more specific about the specific social situations in which your son is having difficulty. Well, because,
0: it's, him, it's, yeah, it's really that he gets excited that he's with other kids. And so um, because he doesn't sort of understand the social rules so well, if they're joking around, he'll take it to a level that he shouldn't. Got it. Um, so, so, for example, he was at a baseball practice, and he was hanging out with the kids, and they were all joking about spitting. And so all the boys, you know, eight-, and nine-year-old boys, started spitting on the ground. And my son wanted to join in and have fun, and he ended up spitting at another child. And he didn't do it maliciously, and he wasn't trying to be mean by any means. He just, everyone was joking around about it, and he was just thought he was jumping into and so he got in significant trouble. Um, and so it's that kind of thing where he does stuff where he doesn't realize that it's not appropriate. Um, and how to how to have him sort of stop himself before it gets to that point, that's where the real challenge is, I think.
1: Got it. So here's what I'm hearing, though. I'm hearing a very specific unsolved problem, um, and that is had difficulty – when the other kids were horsing around, spitting on the ground at baseball practice. Yeah. That's, that's a very specific unsolved problem. So notice we've moved from global difficulty appreciating social cues, being too excited when the other kids are, and actually being too excited. You, you may be absolutely right, but I would call that an adult theory. And we want to keep our unsolved problems as we want to keep them theory-free. We also want to keep them behavior-free, which means that – and that's because some kids won't talk to you if you throw the behavior into the unsolved problem that you didn't like. So I think you can get by fine with difficulty during baseball practice when the other kids were horsing around spitting. That's a very specific unsolved problem. I think he's going to know exactly what you were talking about. Yes? Yes.
0: Oh, I'm sure he will.
1: (laughs) Now, here's the interesting part. So now you're not working on social skills in general. Now you're not working on getting excited when you're with other kids in general. Now you're not necessarily working on reading social cues in general. All of those things may come up as you're gathering information from your son in the empathy step of Plan B. But we actually want to leave the unsolved problem theory and behavior free, and we want to make sure that it's as specific as possible. And so now, in the empathy step, you'll be getting his perspective on things, and as you're getting his perspective on things, you'll be hearing where this went awry for him. And, I mean, one of the drilling strategies is to ask your son what he was thinking in the midst of the unsolved problem. So you might say, what were you thinking when you... um, when it went from spitting on the ground to spitting on other kids. Um, Because I think that's actually what you want to know. We want to understand this from your son's perspective as well as possible, and we're going to get the information that we need from him in the empathy step of Plan B. I think it's very hard to work on, not impossible, and I'm going to give you a website to go to, For some more information, it's – but but I tend to work on unsolved problems that are very specific, not very global, just so that we can get the ball rolling with your son and so that he'll know what we're talking about in the Empathy Step of Plan B. We're going to learn a lot that way, but not by starting global, by starting specific. Let me give you the website before I ask the parents panel to join in. Um, and but what I, what, the first thing I'll say is this is a very hard unsolved problem to work on. So you're in you're in this one for the long haul because this is a tough one. But to help you along the way, uh, a good friend of mine named Michelle Garcia Winner has developed a whole social pragmatics um, program called Social Thinking, and you can find her stuff at socialthinking.com. And she has been really quite brilliant. I ought to have her on the program sometime. I remember to do that. She's been quite brilliant at um, being very specific about the social skills kids might be lacking and being equally specific about how those skills can be taught directly. So you may also want to check out her website and her materials. But let me ask uh, Peter and Susie if they have uh, things they want to pitch in on this unsolved problem.
3: Do you mind if I go first, Susie? Of course not. We had um, thanks. We had a bit of uh, issues with social um, peer interactions for my older son, and the approach that we chose to take was to try to teach those social skills uh, more directly in in a setting that was outside of the the stressor. So we fortunately where we lived at the time there was um a program that taught social skills to the kids and it was things like um uh personal space um appropriate being able to talk to each other um in a polite manner um things to do with bullying and teasing and they would take turns in practice um how to get into the into the situation and how to get out of the situation and and we found that it was quite effective to, to directly teach that and then when he went to school um the the frequency of running into the the boundary problems um diminished a lot
0: so your son was able to translate what he learned in the social skills group into the everyday situations that he was in at school
3: yes yeah and but it was was, yeah the, the social skills taught directly i think is one of the things that works quite well um
1: I personally think that they're better taught than those people who would disagree with this. I think that while social skills groups can be valuable,
3: mm-hmm.
1: one of the biggest liabilities of social skills group is that they may not be teaching social skills that are specific to the individuals in that group. totally depends on how the social skills group is done. And these social skills, they take some focus, they take dedicated practice. They take follow-up. And many social skills groups don't include those as components. So very good that Peter, your son, benefited from the group process and that the skill got better. And I I do think of social skills as being among the few skills that kids who are challenging often lack that can be taught directly. Um, Good that he benefited from them uh, groups are not always the ideal way to go. Sometimes it has to be more individualized than that. but um Susie, anything to add
2: um, Just that you know um timing is so important, and you wanna try to do this in a calm moment, make an appointment with your son um Realizing, as you just said, that it's more than one conversation, um, it's it's constant teaching. In in that situation, my uh, challenging son was probably usually the ringleader of some sort of behavior like that. So I was just always trying to slide in uh, plan B and. Uh, teaching whenever I could and just realizing that in the invitation step the mutually satisfying solution that you worked out with your son uh, if it doesn't work out you need to revisit that and um, try try a different mutually satisfying solution.
1: Doctor uh, let, let's. Sorry, um, do you- I think our caller wanted to ask something.
0: Oh, I'm sorry. I just I I think the value of being very specific is obviously there. But I guess the question I have is, you know, when I when I talk to him about what he's thinking when he went from you know spitting on the ground to spitting at the other kid. I mean, I'm sure as long as I, you know, pick the situation, the right time, and all that stuff, I'm sure he'll he'll open up because he's really great that way. Mm-hmm. Um, but I guess will that apply to the next time when he you know when it's something different when he you know jumps another kid because he saw another kid jumping on another kid in play and so he tries it too but he you know ends up hurting the kid by mistake you know that kind of thing like it's in so many different situations and it always sort of presents itself slightly differently yep that i'm just concerned that being so specific every time he won't necessarily translate what he's learned from one situation to another one
1: great question Just because you're being specific as your entry into the empathy step, and strategically the reason you want to do that is because if you start the empathy step with, I've noticed that you are having, for example, that you're having difficulty reading social cues when you get excited in social situations, right? As a strategic issue, what most kids are going to say to you if you are that global is, what? I have no idea what you're talking about, right? So you're starting specific primarily as a strategic issue for getting your son into being able to provide you with information in the empathy step. But that doesn't mean that over the course of the same plan B, you can't start considering, after all, this one's passed. It's already happened. So you would want this one to broaden out Uh, into a more general, um, you know, I've noticed that that sometimes also happens when you have a friend over and you're playing a video game, when you are uh, at the park with your friends when we go there over the summer. Um, Do you think that the same thing could be going on in those situations as I've just learned, you might not say it that way, but, that I've just learned is going on for you in this situation. Now your empathy step has broadened so as to include other potential situations in which you feel your son might be having the exact same difficulty. Now, worst case scenario, it doesn't apply. this, This situation was completely different from the others, but you can also ask your son to think about other situations in which this was a problem. And so now... You're not necessarily working solely on one specific unsolved problem on something that's actually already happened. So since it's water over the dam, it's not exactly clear how you would go about solving it. That's done. The truth is, being specific was primarily for purposes of being, helping your son know what you were talking about and getting him talking. I think that you'd actually want it to become a little bit broader Once you learned in the empathy step what was going on with your son in that specific situation. So now let me put that in a less verbose way. (laughs) That situation may well inform other situations. And yes, you probably do want to be talking about those other situations still in the empathy step of plan B. Does that make sense?
0: That makes perfect sense. Thank you.
1: Good. Susie, uh, Peter, anything to add on to that?
3: A couple things came to mind when um, you were talking. I, you mentioned um, how important it was to make the situation very specific, and um, I, re- I recall when we were doing this uh, social skills training with my son, and this was before we knew about collabor- collaborative problem solving. Um, it was an early time with cell phones and. One of the things that my son found very fascinating was uh, recording the situation and, and role-playing. So we would videotape it on our cell phones, and we would um, pretend to be the other party, and it would allow him... I, I suppose you could call that the empathy step if, if in, a, in a crude way. It was not uh, very specific, but it allowed him to describe the situation and put it out on the table. And then... Um, one thing that he was really good at is is looking. He was trying to make up multiple endings of how things worked um, from that specific situation. So he would have an ending that didn't go so well, and an ending that was so, sort of mediocre, and then an ending that was to his satisfaction. So he was able to project um, different possibilities. And one thing that we found is that later on, when he faced new situations, he would he would actually go back and, and watch these videos that he made of himself. And and of us role playing, and he was able to uh, uh, apply some of the things that he learned from that one particular situation to other situations. But it was it was kind of tailoring it to the specific, and then generalizing, and then uh, repetition.
1: Cool strategy.
0: That's really neat. Thank you. I'm going to try that.
1: Um, I will say this: I've had some parents ask me if they wanted me to if if I wanted them to videotape their son. Uh, in the midst of a uh challenging episode and the answer is always no number 1 i'm fine having challenging episodes described to me but number 2 um there aren't that many things you could do to have a to fuel a kid's challenging episode
0: mm-hmm. than
1: videotaping him while he's doing it um i'm i'm perfect so that just jogged my memory about video that parents brought into me actually without asking saying we've got vintage footage of him losing it do you want to see it and um you know if the kid was present my answer would probably be actually no i'm not sure that this is the ideal strategy but videotaping of the type that you described peter sounds fabulous to me Call or anything else you want to ask the parents panel wisdom on today
0: No, I mean, I have to tell you, I think you guys have given me some great strategies to go forward with, uh, you know, the starting, the very specific, and making it broader, and then the Michelle Garcia-Winner stuff I'm going to look up, and then maybe having my son videotape different endings, you know, depending on how he reacts to
1: situations I think is fantastic, so
0: I think I have a lot of strategies today. Thank you.
1: You bet. Thanks for calling in. Take care. Bye-bye. Cool, eh?
2: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: you know what strikes me is that um you both are well into your plan b journey well into your plan b journey um and uh, i feels to me like that mom is into her plan b journey but still has um some more journeying left to do as i suspect is always the case um peter i suspect that although you've been on your collaborative problem solving journey for a long time um it doesn't sound like you feel like you're done yet
3: no not even close we've got right. a long ways
1: so i mean it's a process susie i think that uh your collaborative problem solving journey um will never be over although your kids are older and um you may not have any in your household sooner than later, I have a feeling you're going to be doing collaborative problem solving um, even when they are in their adulthoods.
2: I think you're spot on. We have quite a few Plan B conversations over the phone. Just the other day it came up.
1: Care to share?
2: Um, Sure. <laughs> Actually you don't have to. no no, i if I don't share here, um well, where's a better place to share? uh actually, it's an example of plan B that that didn't go well in my view. um my challenging son called up late Saturday night and he wanted to talk with me in private well his father was sitting right next to me and sort of heard that and the um, my husband said you know no that's just we don't keep secrets and um, I don't think that's right so I was Really caught in the middle, um, i I do have difficulty when um voices are raised uh because of my past history, and so I wasn't as assertive as I wanted to be, and calm my husband down at that time. And just go and speak to my son in private, my son um swore at me and hung up the phone. Uh, I called him back on Sunday, asking, you know what's going on what what was that all about?" and um he was really upset he it was just a moment that he really felt like he needed his mom to to talk to and unfortunately i wasn't there so it it calmed down i i should have stuck to my guns and just excused myself and talked to my son but I'm here to say that even though I don't always do the model correctly, my son still knows that I'm in his corner. I'm there to listen and understand, and I'm there to help, except for on Saturday
1: night. Hmm. Um, Well, there you go.
2: I'm nodding my head yes.
3: Thanks for sharing, Susie.
1: That's a hard one. (laughs) You've left me speechless.
2: Oh, dear. Oh, no. We have a few minutes left of the program.
1: Well, what's the lesson learned
2: here? I think to listen to your gut and trust yourself. Um, It's not always easy because my husband and I do have different philosophies in child-rearing, different parenting styles, Um, though he can be Mr. Plan B with the best of them. Um, But I think it's, it's about the children and... being there for them.
1: And um where would your husband stand on that lesson?
2: Um he would well it came out that his feelings were hurt if I was talking with my son in private and he wasn't included in on the conversation. So knowing that, um, I think this is answering your question, knowing that we'd have to um, find a way for him not to have hurt feelings and reassure him, but yet make the time to speak to my son in private. Hmm. It was a real tickle.
1: From what? your perspective, is it his perspective that, there are no conversations that can be held in private between you and your son
2: without that, his
1: feeling being hurt?
2: Yeah, I think that's correct.
1: Okay. And I suspect there's some reasonable chance that you have a different perspective on that.
2: So um, that I interrupted you. I'm sorry, what? No, go ahead. Um, I have a different relationship with my children, and because of the model they uh, will talk to me and confide in me does that make sense? and that's
1: a good thing it does Hmm. and on that note we're done with the parents panel for today thank you both for participating all year and um, we've still got more parenting your challenging child for the rest of the year up until the end of May. Thank you, Susie and Peter, and and absentia, Karen. Have a great summer.
2: Thank you. Take care.